I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Hey yo, we boppin' as always. Here on the Wong Takes on this uh, slightly sunny Tuesday here at University of California, Berkeley. It is October 8th, 2019, our second episode of the month of October. I can't believe... Seems like I say this every month, but I can't believe we're already at October. 2019 just started, man, a little while ago. Just popping off in LA. Anyway, we are fully in the meat of the sports calendar. Um, schedule for today uh, is probably college football, NFL a little bit, and then uh, MLB playoffs, if I am feeling like it. But, of course, you already know if I talked about it because it is in the description. Anyway, uh, it's been a fun last, what, month, month, month and a half? Uh, getting back to doing the long takes. just feels right, you know. Even if we don't have that many listeners or any listeners, it still feels good just uh, talking about sports, you know. I haven't found as many people who are interested in sports here, but it will come with time, I feel. And uh, hopefully, maybe if I'm able to run this for real again, we can do this with more people. But for now, it's just me hanging out like it's been for the last 104 episodes. Um, And I love it. So let's get started. College football week six. We have some good, good action this week. Uh, although the games weren't exactly the most satisfying, but uh, marquee matchups. Michigan played Iowa in a do-or-die game for the Wolverines. Uh, they were actually ranked lower than Iowa coming into this, but in this game, uh, we saw the Michigan defense we expected. Michigan's always been built around us, and, and a lot like a lot of Big Ten teams, around a strong defense. And uh, that's what they did. They got pressure all day. The secondary had a great game with three picks off of Nate Stanley, who hadn't thrown a pick all season. Um, And that's going to be the key to success for Michigan. But also, the offense is a big facet of any football game, and we still don't have questions about that offense. Jim Harbaugh said recently that, you know, they're really close to getting to click, but it didn't look like it uh, last Saturday. And... If Shea Patterson's not going to be able to put up points, the defense can only hold them for so long. And luckily they caught an Iowa team that was on an off day. Um, but when you when you play against stiffer competition like the Ohio States uh, of the world, you're going, to be need, you're going to need to be on in both facets of the game. And that's just not something we saw from Michigan last week, and it, it didn't look like a team that is capable of doing that. Uh, the ball wasn't being spread around enough. There weren't enough dynamic plays being made by the backs, et cetera, et cetera. And if we continue to see that, this Michigan team is not going to be successful in the future, at least to the standard that they, uh, under the Harbaugh era in, particularly, in particular, and the fan base, have held themselves to. Uh, Florida beat Auburn 24-13 to in a much-hyped SEC matchup. These two rivals hadn't met in eight years, which is part of the flaw, quote-unquote, of having divisions. Um, there are multiple arguments for that. Uh, I think the divisions normally are helpful in breaking up a big conference and, and forming distinct rivalries, but the problem with that is 
when there are cross-conference rivals, particularly in these storied conferences like the SEC uh, and the, uh, I don't know, the Big Ten, right? You don't see as many of these tight ma- or these rivalrous matchups. Like for a conference like the AAC, it's probably fine, or even the ACC. But for some of these conferences that are so deep, uh, you'd like to see more cross-divisional matchups. But anyway, uh, a lot. The story coming into this game, I think, was uh, a lot on the Auburn side because with Florida having their backup Kyle Trask and him playing well, we knew kind of what we were getting. Um, but Auburn had another big test. They've had a really tough intro to their schedule, playing Oregon A&M and now Florida, and they've still got tough matchups left uh, to go. But this game was ultimately won by the Florida defense stopping that Auburn offense. Pressure, 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 uh, and forcing Bo Nix to be in uncomfortable spots and have to make uncomfortable throws. Uh, leading to picks, and ultimately, I think what Bo Nix uh, will learn from this game is not to do too much. Too often, he tried to uh, escape the pocket and try to go for the big play, uh, kind of in a Mahomes-style way, but without some of Mahomes' speed and possibly arm talent, and the result of that is you take bad sacks that put you out of field goal range. That one in particular stuck out to me as a bad decision that uh, he will learn from, and he threw picks instead of making the right, taking the right play. Maybe taking, moving up in the pocket and taking a sack, or throwing it out of play, or uh, decisions like that that give your team a better chance to, or a better expected chance to win, uh, even if the play itself uh, could have possibly gone better, but it would have required a lot of you. And so, doing too much, I think, was Bo Nix's downfall in this game, and he'll learn from that. Uh, he still showed, shows a lot of promise. Uh, like I said, the backup, Kyle Trask, continues to play well, replacing the injured Felipe Franks. Uh, it, that, that Florida team is going to be dangerous because of the defense, no matter what. Um, but if Trask ends up being the answer to them for them at quarterback uh, for the rest of the year, they're not going to be in trouble. And it's very comforting for Florida and for their fans to, to know that. Um, and I think this game was really uh, the first test or one of the first kind of inter-SEC clashes, um, and it's a good sign of those to come. We're gonna, it's going to be a lot of hard-nosed football, um, and it's going to be a lot of tough, tough, uh, it's going to be a tough atmosphere in all the places that we see, and we've got a taste of that next week with LSU and Florida. Um, but the great thing about the SEC, and particularly the SEC West, is you get these perennial powerhouses uh, facing off each year. You know, Alabama and LSU, and LSU and Florida, and Alabama and Florida, or Alabama, sorry, Alabama and Auburn, and Auburn and LSU. We get these perennial matchups that are just so enticing as a college football fan, um, and that's what we love to see. Uh, slightly depressing local hour. Oregon beat Cal 17 to seven. Uh, and ultimately, when you're watching this game, you kind of said, okay, so Cal's playing with Monster uh, as the quarterback all game and for the foreseeable future. And Oregon's got Justin Herbert. And what Cal's going to have to do is what they did against Washington, which is uh, actually the opposite of what they did against Washington, which is come out swinging and not let go. And ultimately, when this offense was unable to do anything with their early opportunities 
or, or only get seven points off of three turnovers. Uh, the game almost felt over after that because you said, okay, this Oregon team is going to come back. The offense is too good not to come. It's not like Jacob Eason where we, we don't really know what we're expecting. This is the Oregon offense. They're going to, despite how good Cal's defense is, uh, Oregon's going to make a run at this. And if you only put up seven points off of three turnovers, um, that's going to be your downfall. And I was right. Um, Von Modster, his second game at the helm for Cal. This week, uh, they had the whole week to plan around him and what he needs to do to help them succeed. And they put him in a lot of good situations, a lot of short yardage throws, a lot of slants, uh, some screens. And he did show some flashes of being able to make good throws. There was a deep throw in particular that he connected with. But ultimately, just too many mistakes. Miss, missing throws behind guys, leading to interceptions, leading to missed third downs. Uh, just ultimately not executing well enough. And for a backup, that's maybe what you're expecting, but it's, it's going to hurt you. It didn't also help that Oregon shut down the run game for Cal, which has been their calling card for basically the whole season. Um, and, and knowing Modster is a little bit with is, is at the helm, this offense is a little bit one-dimensional, and Oregon's defense give them credit as well uh, for knowing that and being able to prevent those big chunk plays uh, that, that Cal has been so good at uh, when they got to 4-0. And the defense was ultimately worn down a little at the end. It definitely appeared so. Uh, Oregon was breaking off runs that, you know, seven, eight yards. Uh, and that's not really the defense's fault. I mean, the, they were on the field for a long time, and I don't think they're to blame for this loss. I think it's the offense. And at the end of the day, this Cal team is going to go however Monster goes. Uh, if he gets it together and starts to complete longer drives uh, and such, this team will be successful and they have a chance to win the conference um, and the division. But if he continues to play like this, they're going to end up 7-5 and five, and it's going to be a disappointing end to, a aw- to an awesome start uh, to the year for this Cal Bears team. So next week we've got a couple matchups I'm really looking forward to. First off, uh, big noon, Ohio, or 9 a.m. Pacific, oh, Oklahoma and Texas, the Red River shootout. Last year it was really fun at the Cotton Bowl, uh, a, tr- a true shootout. Kyler Murray and Sam Allinger won by Oklahoma. Uh, this year we get another exciting matchup, Jalen Hurts and Ellinger coming back. And I'm looking for this to be another, you know, 80-plus or, or 60-plus point game at the Cotton Bowl. Um, and that's a great way to wait, start your morning, start your day. Uh, also, later that day, got LSU and Florida. Another SEC West, SEC East matchup, Joe Burrow and Kyle Trask. Now, Joe Burrow has proven himself more than, than Bo Nix has for sure. Um, and so I, I think LSU is the favorite in this matchup, but it's going to be a really electric uh, at Death Valley. And the atmosphere in an SEC game is so exciting and so juiced that you can't help but embrace it a little bit, even from the other side of a TV screen. Um, and that's why I love watching these games so much, is because you can, you can feel the energy. 
you can understand what, what's happening, and it's so exciting. All right, the NFL Week 5, not too much planned. Uh, the Thursday night game actually was really good. We're going to keep this in the NFC West. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Rams 30-29 to in, a, in an absolute thriller with Greg's, Greg Zerline, my fantasy kicker from a few years ago, missing a game-winning kick at the horn from, I believe, 44 yards. Um, but the Seahawks are 4-1 and one somehow. Uh, Russell Wilson is having a great year and a great fantasy year. That's definitely for sure. And Chris Carson uh, has been showing a lot of the promise uh, that we know he's capable of. And when that offense is clicking, uh, and Russell Wilson in particular is, is showing that magic, uh, we know from the Seahawks' glory days that this team is unstoppable. And meanwhile, the Rams, who followed a 3-2, and two, they're just not, they don't seem to be executing as well as last year. A lot of drop balls, um, like the one from Jonathan Everett that led to the pick, the deflection that led to the pick that almost sealed the game. And also just missing a kick to win the game. Now that's kind of an isolated incident, but it, it is it, it does show how on the whole the Rams just... Uh, maybe their window isn't as big as we thought. Todd Gurley's not having the breakout year. I think he's like the 15th best fantasy running back or something like that. Uh, a lot of this offense is built around getting Gurley going. And if he is just being okay... Uh, then the wide receivers don't open up as much, and this whole offense it doesn't open up as much. The Rams will face the Niners next week, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. The Niners put a beating on the Cleveland Browns, 31-3, to and this was huge symbolically, I think, for San Francisco as well, because this was the primetime stage, right? They, they went 3-0, and they beat some crappy teams, um, and the question was... and. To some extent, still is, are the 49ers for real? And to come out on Monday night and with the whole world watching and just destroy Cleveland from the jump uh, has put a lot of those narratives to rest. Um, some still exist. I mean, a lot of people are going to say the Browns are still the Browns. And they, they don't look as good this year, that's true. But also, um, part of it was just how good the Niners were. I mean, the defense, um, in particular, Nick Bosa justifying that number two overall pick, putting pressure, 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 and they really came out with a vengeance in this game, or so it seemed. The run game, oh, also Richard Sherman getting a pick. That was a great pick. Uh, the run game is so good. 275 yards rushing. They're averaging 200 rushing yards on the season. Now getting Tevin Coleman back, in addition to Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert, it's amazing because it's more fresh legs. I mean, this back, backing core was already good already, but now you get these fresh legs coming in. Um, you can have a little more juice at the end of the game, right? You don't get tired as easily. And just to have that depth of the running back position is powerful um, and opens up the playbook for the Niners. Uh, I really like this team in particular because, in particular because it's got a lot of swagger. It just seems like it. I mean, Nick Bosa planting the flag. Uh, Matt Breida waving goodbye to the Browns as he went for the 83-yard touchdown on the first play of scrimmage. Uh, Richard Sherman uh, talking to Lisa Salters on the sideline, talking about how Baker disrespected them, even maybe he didn't. 
this team is, is fun to follow. They're hard-nosed, um, and they've got personalities and personality. And I think a lot of that has, is, has been a contributor to this growth uh, in excitement around the team. I mean, Levi Stadium was popping off. Uh, Monday night. It was so, it's heard, it seemed very loud. Uh, and the crowd seemed very into it, and it's great to see from Levi's uh, in particular, a stadium that's been much maligned over the last half decade uh, since it opened. Um, but now for this team to be good and the fan base to be into it uh, is really exciting in Niner country. But they've got a big test next week the Rams on the road. Now, what I think this game did for the Niners is it afforded them some wiggle room to some extent, right? Uh, I saw this on Reddit. I mean, this game might be a bigger game for the Rams than it is the Niners, and that really says something because I think this win against the Browns showed that even if they lose this next game against the Rams, they're still this team is still for real, right? If they lost this game against the Browns, they lose against the Rams, all right. All right, they're not for real. They just got lucky the first few weeks because of the schedule. But if they beat the they beat the Browns like they did, if they go and beat the Rams, or if they go and lose to the Rams, we can still point at that Cleveland performance and say, look, this team is still really good. Um, and I think that's why this game doesn't mean as much to the Niners, um, as opposed to the Rams who are kind of trending in the wrong direction right now. But nevertheless, a win down in in Los I almost said St. Louis down in Los Angeles. Um, would buoy their confidence and also buoy them up the rankings uh, for everyone just because of the... This is uh, the first team that, well, has been over 500 when they played them, Um, but has competed at such a high level that if the Niners go and beat them, you know that they are in the hunt or in the championship hunt. Major League playoffs are here. Major League Baseball playoffs are here. All four divisional series, actually no, three divisional series are still going. One of them has wrapped up the Yankees and the Twins. And not only were those games supposedly not that interesting, but also uh, they weren't televised for or included with cable subscription, so I couldn't watch it, so I didn't watch it. As such, I don't really know much about them, so I will not talk about them here. Um, but yeah, that was supposedly a pretty boring series, and the Twins continue their playoff struggles, in particular against the Bombers, who just have their number for whatever reason. But the other series are interesting. Uh, the Astros and Rays, uh, Tropicana Field is uh, very well known for being not particularly a uh, super uh, intuit park. Uh, their attendance numbers have been mocked, their fan base has been mocked accordingly. Um, but they have showed out, shown out for this series. Obviously, being in the playoffs is a whole different animal. Um, but they, the, the, the club is excited to be here. Uh, and they want to win. And if they can play like they did against the Astros and, and lit up Granky and such, uh, they can compete. Meanwhile, over in the NL... Excuse me if you hear some noise in the background. I'm fixing up some tape on something real quick. Uh, the Cardinals and the Braves and the Nationals and Dodgers both going to a winner-take-all game five, and I couldn't be happier. Cardinals and the Braves are pretty evenly matched. I mean, on both sides, you've got good pitching. 
timely hitting, exciting players. I personally would be interested in seeing the Braves go far because you've got like guys like Acuna and Albies uh, that just make the game so much fun, and I, I would love to see them go to an NLCS. Meanwhile, the Nationals and Dodgers, I have an obvious rooting interest because I'm a Giants fan, um, but this Nationals team seems pretty inspired. I mean, they, they're they're gonna they put up a good fight um, because they're young and they're hungry, and guys like Rendon and Soto have shown up have come up big. Uh, Rendon in the last game in particular, and Soto uh, carrying over his and a wild card excitement. So I hope these two series uh, have good game fives. I think if I had to pick, I mean, the Dodgers are, I would think, are the favorites to win game five, and even if I don't want them to win, and the Cardinals, uh, I think Cardinals and Braves is almost a pick em. Uh If I had to pick one, I'd take the Braves. Um, and then Houston is probably going to take that series. So... The MLB postseason, I think, is really exciting for the same reason that playoff hockey is exciting. They're so intense; it's so intense. Everything is riding on, or each pitch has so much riding on it that, and then there are those few moments where you can just explode. And I think baseball is kind of the epitome of that. There's nothing more exciting than a a whole postseason home run. And uh, I really believe that that is the case. Okay, quick take coming at you. Let me load this real quick, courtesy of Bleacher Report, as always. Coach K supports fair pay to play. So there's been a lot of, uh, via via Tim Daniels' Bleacher Report, there's a lot of, controversy around the most recent acts passed by California of letting athletes hire agents, um, profit off their name and likeness. And I've made my stance very clear on this, that I'm in favor of letting letting athletes profit off of their likenesses um, because it, it really just makes sense. And with Coach K backing this, I think, really helps push the envelope forward. Now, it nothing's going to happen right away, right? The NCAA is not going to budge on this issue for a long time or until there is massive support. But what these things from high-profile people like this do is it keeps it in the conversation. If people know that it's got backing from guys like Krzyzewski uh, or if, like, Calipari were, say, to come out and say it, that would keep it in the conversation because you know it's still got a chance if these guys are in on it. And that's why I think this decision by Mike to announce this is so important um, because it it gives it some momentum to the point that it stays within the realm of possibility. Thanks so much for listening to The Wong Takes. Check it out, bit.ly slash Takes. The long takes at gmail.com is the email. Write and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Check out my other podcast, uh, Unranked and Unfiltered, The Real Students of Berkeley, uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Thank you so much for listening, uh, as always, and I will see you next week.